Welcome to the Uncommon Cast, everybody. We are here with a, a new guest today. Her name, her name is Kristen Lavalley. She's an author. She's also a distributor of wisdom on um, on Instagram. And I found her through, I think, Carlos Whitaker's account. He, oh, he posted nice. you one time. And, and uh, just really been appreciating some of the wisdom that you've shared and some of the ways that you've kind of spoke to the 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 times that we're in right now and and how we as believers can kind of navigate that stuff and so um i'm really excited to jump in and uh hear your story and we're just glad you're here and a lot of the stuff that you've written about that what i've what i've read matches with our theme for the year as we go into 2021 we are focusing on the oneness on bringing about conversations and uh, being a catalyst of unity in our polarized world. So we're focusing on the oneness of that. Mm -hmm. And when Cody came across you on Instagram, was sharing that with all of us, you seem to be about um, taking polarities and trying to have a conversation in the middle and having people become unified. Mm -hmm. not, not being uniform, but being unified. <laughs> and so you are just perfect to be at the beginning of our 2021. And what we missed out in the introduction is that Kristen here is an official representative of the Good Sam <laughs> RV subculture. Um, <laughs> you and your family. And honestly, we're all kind of jealous yeah. of that, um, of your what uh, nomadic ways. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's yeah, so pretty great. That's I mean, we haven't even get, given you a chance to say anything, but um, okay. that's a great segue to, to, to ask about your story and kind of your RV adventures and, and what you do. Oh, just like a big open. Yeah, big open. Just yeah, that, tell, yeah. tell, tell us about, about you. yourself, yeah. Kristen. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Well, my husband and I were um, pastors for a really long time. We met in Bible college and we were youth pastors and worship pastors for a really like, I don't know, 12 years or something like that. And then we went through a really painful church trauma that we were just like, we need a break. And through that, God just kind of brought us to this nomadic lifestyle. We had a period of like three years where we just sat and healed and tried to figure out where we were going to, how we were going to move on because it was a very traumatic thing that happened and we needed a lot of um, healing from that. And then we felt like we needed to go on the road. We had kind of become a part of this other subculture of church and faith outside of the walls of the institution of church. So like home churches and not even home churches, just these little faith communities that had popped up. And we were like, you know, we kind of want to go see what God's doing outside of the walls that we've set up for church. And then the RV thing just kind of made sense. And then COVID happened and that kind of changed our plans a little bit, but we've still been able to see what God's doing outside of, outside of the church. So it's kind of, kind of shaped my perspective of this year and my faith in a lot of ways and a lot of the things that I share online are things that came through much pain and, <laughs> and, and drama and good things too. And being on the road and just being able to see how um, similar we all are in spite of our differences. Yeah. I mean, mm. There's something, yeah. Familiar, right? I mean, <laughs> you're sitting at a table virtually with um, some people who've experienced some church traumas mm -hmm. um, mm. and, rising out of the ashes of those right and seeing what god wants to do um 
And you're sitting at a table with people who were also interested and scared and wondered about what God was doing in the wilderness outside of the mm-hmm. walls of a church. Mm-hmm. Um, and it felt really lonely for a time. Um, it felt yeah. like we had this Holy Spirit whisper of doing something different and that we were the only ones that had this thought. And then this crazy thing happened, like as we walked that time further and further away from um, the traditional church structure, we found God doing all of these cool things. And and that yeah. there were other people out there that had like the same yeah. even yeah. language that we had been sharing. Um, and it blew our minds. And it felt a lot less yeah. lonely, like instantly. It sounds like yeah. you finding finding Christian spiritual God God community outside of the walls of the church and being like, wow, there's there's life out here. In fact, God was working out here when I was so focused on the inside. Yeah, it was it was pretty um, isolating because I'm a pastor's kid, a pastor's grandkid. Everybody in my family, like literally everybody on both sides of my family, are in ministry. So when we decided to not be in ministry and took it even a step further and we're like, yeah, we're just not going to go to church anymore. It was like, we <gasps> felt that something was broken yeah, in us. And of course my family's gasp. like, yeah, there's like interventions being staged. Like you have to have your kids. How are your kids going to know Jesus if they're not in kids church? And we're like, well, we're going to teach them about Jesus. But it was just this identity breaking. Like it was in my DNA, but there was just something in me that was like, this is just not what I have for you anymore. And I had to, we had to follow the Holy Spirit in that, even though it was like literally like going into the wilderness, we didn't know there were any other people that thought like us. We're like, are we broken? Are we fall? Is this what backsliding is like? <laughs> but it just felt so right. So totally. we just, we just follow the Lord into it and it's been great. Yeah. I have to tell you this funny story because like, man, we have such similar, <laughs> similar experiences. <laughs> so I did text these two one day and be like, I don't know if I should be proud or ashamed, but my daughter just asked from the back seat if we were Christians. <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, well, um, don't ever tell your grandma that you asked me that. But yeah. um what do you mean? I was like, <laughs> like, a Christian just means somebody that loves Jesus. And she's like, oh, okay. <laughs> but like, <laughs> she has grown up, you know, in her mo- most formative years, kind of not being in a traditional church setting, not mm-hmm. um, going to Sunday school. And you do have all of those like parent guilt moments mm-hmm. of like, am I yeah. damaging them? Are they missing out on something? Um but then you have a moment like that where it's just so simple that like we don't have to define ourselves with a label. Like we can just be a people who love Jesus and like live our lives. Yeah, shocking, mm-hmm. right? Shocking. <laughs> yeah. Now this probably this isn't this isn't on our notes no, of where we were gonna all. go. But can I leave us in another tangent? Because yeah. I have to ask. All right. So yeah. so a lot of people go through church trauma. Yeah. Right? Mm-hmm. Um church damage i think you referred to it it's actually on your website church trauma or church hurt church hurt okay Mm -hmm. and it comes in different forms and stuff and a a lot of my friends too over the years even people in full-time ministry and things like that that have gone through church hurt not only leave the building but kind of disconnect from god all altogether Mm -hmm. or they they lose 
that sound of the Holy Spirit whispering into their lives, um, like you and your husband, and your family were guided to after the church hurt. So can I ask mm-hmm. how, how did you retain your closeness with yeah. God while going through church hurt? How did you keep that separate and still leave with the God you were connected with and let the human trash kind of go behind? I, I don't think I left with the God I was connected with. I think it was a complete unraveling of my faith. There were times that I didn't know if I was going to make it out still loving God. I never doubted that he was real, but I doubted if he was good because my faith was very um, formulaic. Like if I do this, this, and this, and this, then I will have favor and God will bless me. And, you know, it was very like, if I do A, God will do B. And when I did all the right things and we were still hurt and still left our church in the district that we were in without a good reputation intact, it was just, there's just so much anger and bitterness and all the, the well-meaning people, people around me saying, you know, you can't let bitterness, that was the worst case scenario. Like you can't let bitterness take root in your heart. And I'm like, I don't care. Bitterness takes root. Like my worst case scenario has happened and you don't want me to be bitter. Okay. (laughs) Yeah. Okay. That's all I know so right it was, now. <laughs> I know. I'm like, I could care less if I walk out of here bit bitter. The God that I knew a month ago is not the God that I know now. Yeah. So it was really like earth shattering. And I think really what pulled me back to God was just separating from all of that and just being really honest and, you know, sackcloth and ashes grieving and telling him how angry I was and how betrayed I felt. And I realized that the root of my hurt wasn't what the people had done. It was that I felt like God agreed with them and that he had abandoned me with them and that he was on their side. And when I realized that I I could go to scripture and realize like that's the root of all the enemy's lies is that God's holding out on us. And when I saw that, I'm like, all right, well, I don't like what you've done, (laughs) but I'm going to hold on to like the shred of things that I know to be true. And it took years. I mean, it wasn't like my faith was intact and I was this like pillar like Abraham going going into the wilderness. I was angry and sad and depressed and didn't want anything to do with anything. And God just kept pulling me back to him. And the faith that I have now doesn't really look anything like what it did a few years ago. It's better. It's deeper. It's richer. It's it, the the foundation is better than it was before because it came through pain and suffering. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So let me ask you this mm. because I feel like um, similarly part of my faith trauma that is linked to the church hurt is that um, I kept expecting God to rescue it, you know, like down to mm-hmm. the wire, like God's, I'm doing what you want me to do, God. So like, where are you? Where are you? Where are you? (laughs) Where the hell are you? Um, And then when it all does finally fall apart, there's that question of like, you weren't there, Mm -hmm. you know? So how, and I, I know that like for so many people, they have that feeling like people that have prayed that in their darkest hour of like, God rescue me. And they feel like they weren't rescued. What do we do with that? What do we tell people in those moments? This is a really light, fluffy question for you. <laughs> it's all right. Easy, right? Yeah. Um, I think most of the time we're asking God to rescue us. We have an idea 
in our head of what that rescue is going to look like. And we don't actually realize that he is rescuing us. Like in the moment when I was going through my thing, I thought God rescuing me would be to move us to another church, to save our reputation, to get us, you know, our career intact. We were living in the church parsonage. So we lost our home. We lost everything. Um, And so for me, a rescue was God continuing to establish us in the place that we were. And really the rescue was getting us out of there and getting us out of that life that we were in that we never really were thrilled about. We never really loved the institution of church or the theology, the doctrines that we were a part of, but that was all we knew. And so that painful thing was the thing that there's a phrase called ekbalo, which is like this, this painful casting out of apostles so that they can do what, what God has called them to do. And it was this ekbalo, like it has to hurt. And it didn't feel like a rescue. So in <laughs> retrospect, right. we look back and we're like, I didn't realize that that was the lifeline you threw me. And now I can mm-hmm. see that I'm so glad that that was what happened because you saved me from a life that was miserable for me when I was even in it. Wow. Absolutely. Mm. Yeah. Great. Yeah. That's a, that's a good reframing for those of us yeah. who have experienced that. Like maybe we were rescued to the wilderness. <laughs> yeah. Um, truly. And he's out there and we've, mm-hmm. we've found him ever since. <laughs> well, and it's a, it's a re-understanding of God's sovereignty, right? Sovereignty is this word we throw out about God is almighty. Everything is under God's control but it almost releases the the human responsibility of of our decisions and our and mm-hmm. our evilness and humans have bad decisions and evilness even inside of the church right that we would love to say that was god that was doing that at the church but it was it was probably mixed up with some human egos some yeah. human selfishness and evilness that was going on that we mm-hmm. thought was god but was actually truly human and then like, I, I've had those struggles too, which I thought kind of redefining or struggling with what is God's sovereignty in a world where he allows humans to be humans, right? He allows mm-hmm. humans to be selfish. And mm-hmm. we all we all have repercussions from selfishness and things like that, that we can't cast on God, but came from the humans that he allowed to do that with. And that's such an interesting place to navigate through and retain a faith and a relationship. And like you said, in even deeper closeness to God, now that you've gone through it, um, mm-hmm. it, uh, it reveals the intention of your heart of seeking God through the hard times. Mm-hmm. And we, we applaud that. And we pray for that for all of our listeners mm-hmm. going through hard times that you would just be intentional to go, God, where are you in this? And, uh, I want to be with you in this. And I want to sort the good God stuff out from the human crap stuff. And so, yeah. Yeah. Well, and even I think of like, um, it's, it's this concept is like a cousin to people who have grown up with one um, very clear set of theology or doctrine. And then Mm -hmm. suddenly their world experience, their lived experience Mm -hmm. challenges their intellectual doctrine and they have to make a choice, right? Um, we we encounter a lot of those people um, that basically thought it was all or nothing, right? Like, mm-hmm. if this piece doesn't fit anymore, then it's all trash. Mm-hmm. Um, yep. 
what are your what are your thoughts on how we can even wrestle through some of those hard times for people that are finding out that their their maybe their childhood faith doesn't align with their adult lived experience? Yeah, I always say that when your theology and your experience align, life is a lot easier. And then when something happens to like deviate from from the path, then you're like everything just shatters around you. And I think you just need to let it break, let it all break. And then once it's all on the ground, look at the pieces and see what you can salvage. And I think sometimes it's good to let that stuff, I mean, I think typically all the time it's good to let that stuff break because if it broke, it was never strong in the first place. Mm. And then you can look at it and you can get to know Jesus again through, through the word, through your prayer life, through your experiences, through what he speaks to you, however Jesus speaks to you. And you don't have those theological, um, sometimes they can feel like weights, not all theological things, but sometimes there's a lot of doctrinal things that we just feel like we can't allow our experience to be true because your doctrine conflicts with it. But when that kind of breaks, you can start to build that up and um, find things that are good and healing and true and not just believing it because you've always been taught. And sometimes you'll pick up those pieces that you thought were broken and they're not as broken as you thought. And you'll still have pieces of your childhood faith or your college faith or wherever you picked up your doctrine. But I think when it breaks, it's good to just leave it there. Don't panic. (laughs) You're not going to go to hell. (laughs) Like it's not this like life or death thing. It's an experience that happens. And that's when we lean into grace and mercy and hope that hope and know that Jesus is going to fill in the gaps where our faith and our lack of faith overlap. Right. And can we just agree and give an amen to anybody, (laughs) to anybody who's listening, who had somebody tell them um, something really damaging that maybe it's time to revisit that theology. Mm. If it felt really hurtful and broken, um, maybe that's one that we let crash on the floor. Like that doesn't mean that that Mm. was, a direct mm-hmm. mouthpiece of God that was giving right. you a message. Like let that piece fall away and see where your faith is at after that. Yeah. Yeah. I think like what you were saying about all or nothing, I think we think our faith is a lot more fragile than it actually is. And if we don't have everything together in all the right places at all the right time in every given moment, then we're not really following Jesus. We're not really going to go to heaven. We're so afraid that God is going to cast us out of his arms at any given second. And that's just not what he's called us to. And that's not true. And that's not love or grace or mercy. And we could give ourselves a little bit of a break when we don't have it all together all the time, because we're, we're not supposed to, we can't, how can you? Right. We can't. And we like to say too, like our faith is not like a house of cards, right? Like a house of cards you're so tender with, you like don't even want to breathe on it too hard. And I think a lot, a lot of us treat our faith like that, you know, mm-hmm. um, it's super fragile yeah. and it's all scaffolded on it, on each other. And so mm-hmm. when it falls, it, it's done for, you know, um, yeah. but I agree. Our faith is not as fragile as we think. Yeah. Can I, sorry, it, Cody, take it after this question, but I, I got to <laughs> ask this question. Okay. Dude, so, I like, this question. Okay. It's great. I think, um, well, I know that when people go through church hurt, that becomes God hurt, right? Mm-hmm. Even if it was from humans, right? We we project that upon God. We we project that upon who Jesus is and who we thought Jesus was supposed to be. 
And it builds up mounds of, like you said, bitterness, of hurt, mm-hmm. of resentment, of uh, confusion and question as to who God mm-hmm. is and who Jesus is. Now, it is easy to leave that. And because it's confusing and hurting and Messy. there's bitterness <laughs> and messiness, we just go, okay, you know, God, by me moving on in life, I've got to move on past you. Right. And we leave that behind. Now, that isn't what you did. And it's not what what we've done through our different differing church hurts and theological hurts. But what was it like for you? How did you restart your relationship with Jesus when there was pain, doubt, resentment and probably wondering if he was even there? Right. So how did you because opening a opening a Bible page and just reading a Bible page when there's bitterness, resentment, fear, hurt, that's mm-hmm. a hard page to read, right? So what was yeah. that restart with Jesus like for you after church hurt? I don't know if there was any specific thing. I didn't read the Bible for a while because one of the traumas that happened was the Bible being used to prove that I'm not a good mother, that I'm not a good wife, that I shouldn't be in ministry. And so when scripture is used to wound you, you don't really feel like reading, <laughs> reading the Bible That's anymore. Yeah. So I just didn't. And I just felt okay not looking at the Bible. And I just journaled and I wrote a lot and I listened to worship music and I swore a lot and I swore at God a lot. And I just let myself be as emotionally reckless with God as I felt like I needed to be because I'd never allowed myself to ever do that. And I just thought, well, if not now, <laughs> when? This is a great time to just tell God how horrible I think he is to us. And I think that helped me to be vulnerable and to just kind of be real with God. And in those slowly, as I progressed in my emotional outburst <laughs> toward God, I felt peace. And I felt um, him drawing me back to him and not in any kind of big significant way. Just, I didn't feel so alone. Like kind of, it kind of just felt like he was sitting with me and listening to me. And um, yeah, it was just a slow relational, like, I really hate this right now. And him being like, yeah, I know, but I'm here. Mm -hmm. And eventually I just kind of moved forward into now I feel okay reading scripture again. And by the time I started reading the Bible again, it felt like a different book to me. And for a while worship, like we would occasionally go to church because our friends planted a church. So we would go to their church to support them. (laughs) I would sit there bitterly, but I would worship and worshiping and lifting my hands and singing songs wasn't um, like it didn't come from my heart where I was like thanking God for what he did. It just felt like an act of faith. Like I'm just going to worship in spite of the way that I feel and hope that healing comes at some point. So everything that I did, that was probably what you're supposed to do. Pray, worship, read the Bible. It was more of, um, it it was more of a faith act. Like I'm going to take this step forward and hope that what's on the other side is healing. And I just took every step that felt safe. I would take that step. And if it didn't feel safe, I didn't feel guilty not taking the step. I would just be like, okay, well, I don't feel good doing this. So I'm not going to do it. So it was a long process. It was probably two, maybe even three years before I felt like God and I were good again. (laughs) It's a long time. (laughs) Yeah. But I love what you experienced was that when you turned your face to be real to God, he didn't turn the other way because you were using the wrong language. Um, Actually, what you just, what you just said reads like 
the Psalms that we read and go, whoa, they're having an emotionally tough day, mm-hmm. right? Like, yeah. whoa, they're really pissed about something. And I think those Psalms are in there for a reason, right? And mm-hmm. we don't usually preach on those ones because they're not easy to handle on any given Sunday, whatever, but that's the real yeah. life. And I love that uh, you're a walking, talking example of a God that doesn't leave us when we truly share our hurt hearts with him. And so that's awesome. That's great. So, so, you know, that's your story of where you, of the, the, the stuff that you went through. So what, what's now, what are you doing now? Um, I, I think you shared a little bit before we started recording about your RV adventures. Yes. <laughs> Maybe share a little bit more about that. We'd love to hear what you're, what you're doing now and, and what you're doing with writing and ministry and everything like that. Yeah. Well, everything's just kind of been weird with <laughs> traveling during a pandemic. So it definitely hasn't been what we thought it was going to be, but it's been good. And, and we've been, um, traveling and stumbling upon different communities of people who are they have kind of gone through similar things like we have maybe not necessarily the trauma part but the the faith shift the perspective shift the oh I don't really know if I want to be a part of the traditional church anymore um and not anybody that we went looking for just through meeting people and talking it's just kind of I don't know we're a magnet for it <laughs> I guess um so yeah which has been really interesting traveling during like political unrest and we were in several big cities during some of the riots this summer. So that's been like a whole other thing, but we've been able to meet so many different people with um, different perspectives, different political backgrounds, different faith backgrounds. And it's kind of shaped our view of everything going on in the world right now. And it's what comes out on my Instagram when I'm writing about uh, my thoughts on everything going on in the world. It's that traveling and being around so many different people and, and hearing so many different stories that has kind of, you know, painted the, the colors of how I see everything right now. It's been really good. Yeah. So along those lines, like one of the things that I saw you say one time in one of your stories, you were just talking, it wasn't written out. You said something like, uh, there was like a lot of people that were kind of getting in your face about things and getting in your DMS really about things. Uh, um, all the time. <laughs> yeah, totally. Uh, but you said, you said, look, when I speak to something, it's because I'm speaking to how it affects the church. That's mm-hmm. my lane. I stay in my lane. So if, if culture, if uh, politics or what have you, news, whatever, if it's, yeah. if it's interacting or affecting the church, that's my lane. And that's when I'm going to talk about it. So mm. t- Tell us a little bit more about that because I thought that was a, such a such an interesting perspective for Christians to take. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's just the the way I set set boundaries for myself online because I tend to want to talk about everything and run off my mouth about like whatever is going on. That's what I'll do in person. If we're hanging out in person, you're going to hear all of my opinions messy and wrong and whatever because that's how that's how I like let's fight. And then we will come to a, come to an agreement on something, but I can't really do that online. And and I've watched several people um, towards the beginning of the the pandemic. Some of my contemporaries or peer people that do the same thing I do get really caught up in their political ideologies. And for me, as somebody who followed them, I felt a little betrayed. Like I didn't 
want to hear all of that from them. And it, it kind of, um, changed my perspective of them and made it harder to chew the good things that they were saying because their political ideologies took over anything else. And for me, I'm not saying that's wrong for them to do that, but for me, I just was like, it's not really what I want to do. That's not what I feel my ministry is online is to like tell you my opinions. I don't see how that's good most of the time to just spit our opinions out at people. So for me, my ministry is talking to people in the church, talking to people like us who have gone through terrible things. And I can't risk losing my, um, my, I don't know, influence with people or losing my voice with people because I felt like telling my opinion (laughs) about something that honestly only matters that week. And it's not going to matter the week after. And I saw this tweet. I can't remember who tweeted it. But he said, um, the only person I've ever agreed with 100% is myself, and I changed my mind. <laughs> and so I think about that all the time. <laughs> I'm like, I just can't, I can't get caught up in that. It's just a distraction. That's not what God has called me to do. That's not important. I look at my Instagram as work. It's my ministry, and I just feel like I need to be a good steward of that and not get caught up in ideologies and opinions and all that as much as I want to. I have a close friends list where I do that. <laughs> so only the people on my close friends list see. But people that I'm I'm trying to um, minister to, that just doesn't feel right to do that. So I talk about the church. If it affects the church, I'll talk about it and I'll talk about it in terms of the kingdom of God and what how Christians should be responding to what's going on. Um, but other than that, I just don't think it's important to Tell you what I think. So (laughs) what do you think is one of the biggest issues affecting the church right now that you, that you want to talk about, (sighs) that you've been talking about maybe? Mm -hmm. Um, just pick one. (laughs) I mean, (laughs) (laughs) if I was gonna, um, use a simple word, I would just say division, but that's so broad. It could mean, it could mean everything, but I think the, um, political ideologies and the the radicalization on either side of those has crept into the body of Christ in a way that is um, really uncomfortable and sometimes feels borderline heretical. And I still don't, I don't fully understand the defense of it. I hear the defense on either side, you know, Jesus would do this or Jesus would do that, but it's hard for me to understand um, sacrificing community, sacrificing peace, sacrificing um, the message of the gospel and our kingdom commission to go into all the world and <laughs> tell everyone how good Jesus is, sacrificing that on the altar of being right about our American politics. Um, that's that's really frustrating for me and hard for me to talk about without um, burning all the bridges. <laughs> Getting a little fiery. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. The the nationalism is a hot word right now. No one wants to talk about yeah. nationalism because it's just we're we're patriotic. Um, but I think that's a really really huge issue right now that I wish more people were talking about, and they're starting to. But I wish I'd see more of it so I'd feel a little bit braver <laughs> talking about it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's I mean, a big one. We see that too. Like we're we're like an intentionally unpolitical a lot of times and in the way that we approach stuff online. And I think as people and as an organization, but people still, still will, uh, you know, read into what they read into. Mm -hmm. 
And I've, I've found that like even conversations where I'm like calling for uh, peace or unity or being nice to people. And I end up being like, the the bad guy in the conversation. I love watching Cody yeah. the Nine trying to enter into like a hot Facebook debate, which um, he does. Which he does. He does. Let's just be nice to each he, other. He like can't help it because people are being so mean, and he's like, "Oh, but I like you, and I like you, and we should all like each other." And so he like enters this space, and I'm just like, "Oh, it's." Gonna and be then good. everybody's like, "Because then everybody hates their him." Arrows at me. He's the yeah. political one. <laughs> so good my my husband does the same thing and i've had to tell him like look you have to stop because this affects me too (laughs) so let's just not they're eating you alive they're gonna eat me alive too like let's just not like you can fight in person but no it's not going anywhere in the comment section especially if it's on facebook like don't even don't even try no absolutely yeah yeah that's why we love the table so much like the table is the place to I mean, certain tables, you don't want to have the political discussions, but the table is a place to really see people and face to face. And And um, part of the reason we're so intentionally not political is because we have a community of very diverse people. Yeah, Mm -hmm. me too. We have Mm -hmm. people on all ends of the spiritual spectrum, spectrum, all ends of the political spectrum. um, And we see our role as creating a space where those people can actually get to know each other. Yeah. Um, Yeah. And it's funny when you see two of those people that are like very uh, assertive, we should say, online and on very different ends of the spectrum, like having a conversation at one of our events when... Remember when events was a thing? <laughs> we gathered with people and yeah. strangers within six feet. Remember that? Yeah. But it's so great to see them like getting to know somebody because right. it's really yeah. easy to disagree with an ideology. Mm-hmm. It's a lot more yeah. and, and to hate an ideology. It's a lot more difficult to like mm-hmm. hate a real person right. and like condemn a real person. And that's, honestly where we see a lot of what our work is it's like creating those real people connections mm-hmm. yeah like you i think we think the um when we find out somebody is a different he has a different political party than we do we automatically see in them the most extreme version of that party mm-hmm. but the truth is most people are closer to the center than either extreme you know most people are either slightly left of center slightly right of center we have way more things in common than we do different but we just oh you're a democrat okay so you're an extreme leftist oh you're a conservative so you probably stormed the capitol we think the worst things about each other without giving anyone a chance to just talk about the things that we have in common rather than assuming the worst about each other it's sad yeah it's really sad especially now i think when you right now with our hyper polarized hyper politicized world anything that you say may ring a bell where someone instead of instead of seeing your commonalities they're gonna the red will see you as blue the blue will see you as red Mm -hmm. what's what's interesting is when you're just trying to be a voice of love and of hope and of of faith um you will always be received by the hyper political as having a political agenda because that's that's the way mm-hmm. that's the way they're reading the world and so it'll be interesting as we're 
in a new era, whether we whether we like the new era or not, um, it'll be interesting trying to navigate seeing something that isn't political. How can we see the world as not political, but just humans trying to create this place as as better? Mm-hmm. You know, and um, mm-hmm. it's it's interesting navigating a diverse audience like you have yeah. all the time and trying to stay in your lane. But your lane is gonna be your lane's gonna be interpreted as it will. <laughs> so. Yeah, 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 totally. <laughs> so I, I think I have one last thing I want to hear about, and it may okay. be something that I just want to hear about. So I don't know if we'll keep it in in the podcast. <laughs> but but you made an an Instagram exit recently, um, mm-hmm. and uh, and that's when I signed up for your email list, which I've enjoyed. Um, Tell us a little bit about why you did that and what was what was that time like for you? Social media well, it was, exit. It was great. <laughs> it was like, I'm not thinking of taking my phone and storying and talking about something. I was just doing a lot of journaling and writing songs and just enjoying not having to have my brain turned on all the time and not seeing what other people were saying because that's a part of it too. You see what other people are saying about something and then you feel like you have to say something too. But it was just, it was a long time coming. I'd been putting, you know, everything into talking about everything that was going on in 2020 because it felt really important. It felt really urgent. Um, But I was tired. My brain was tired. My heart was tired. I was getting really weary and getting a lot of, um, I mean, you guys know when you try to stay in the middle, you get people from both sides making assumptions about you and accusing you of things. And they're always wrong, but it just gets exhausting feeling like, everything you do is going to end up with somebody calling you a name (laughs) in your, Mm. in your DMS. And I take time to respond to people sometimes. And there's a couple of times where people would send me an angry DM, unfollow me, let me know that they unfollowed me. And then I would respond and we'd have a conversation and then they'd apologize and (laughs) follow me back. I don't know if they realize I can, I can see the unfollow and the follow back, (laughs) but anyway, it just got, I was just tired and I just wanted to, um, be with my thoughts and be with Jesus without feeling like I needed to help anybody yeah. <laughs> and needed a break. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. Or even to be with Jesus yeah. without feeling like you needed to share that with everybody. Yeah. You yeah. know, I think a lot of times yep. on social media, uh, one of the tr- detractions of it is that you feel like you can't have a, none of your moments are yours. Because mm-hmm. they're all right. You're you're trying to live your authentic self online, and so everything is for everybody, and you lose some of that intimacy mm-hmm. in in trying to do that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you feel like you're living your life to share it with other people. Mm-hmm. Boundaries are good for that. I've been online for a really long time and have learned to keep some things just offline. Or the close friends list on Instagram is great because I could just be myself and show the dumb things that we're doing without feeling like I'm um, exposing my, my kids too much to, yeah, <laughs> to yeah. the internet. But I've set up a lot of boundaries over the years that that's helped, but I still am like, sometimes I just don't want people to know what's going on in my life. It's none yeah. of your business. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think that's healthy, you know, and I think we can, we could probably all take a cue of taking breaks from social media here and there. And, mm-hmm. um, setting up those boundaries, uh, for, mm-hmm. for real life relationships rather than online presence, mm-hmm. you know? Mm-hmm. 
Can I, I want to ask another question. It's like off that topic, but it's, it's so good. And I know, I know uh, not only we, but our, our friends are struggling with this too. And um, is spiritual rhythm and spiritual, mm-hmm. spiritual leadership for you and your family. So, so most people are not doing regular church on Sundays and they haven't been for a long time. And for a lot of people that through kind of a block, like a, an obstacle in their spiritual life where they're feeling a little more distant from God. They're not sure how Mm -hmm. to spiritually lead themselves, let alone their families. Right. Um, you live an amplified life of that, of you and your husband, your kids traveling in an RV. Right. And, uh, not only is your own spiritual rhythm up to you and your responsibility, you know, church on the outside is, giving you what you need every week, but your church, your kids too, you're the spiritual leaders of your mm-hmm. kids. So can you tell me a little bit about kind of the spiritual rhythm of you and your family in an yeah. RV and how you guys have kind of been your own spiritual leaders? Well, in an RV, you don't really get um, quiet time. <laughs> There's not a lot of like, <laughs> I'm going to go pray for an hour in my prayer closet. Um, so we, my husband and I do things a little differently. He's more the routine guy. Like he wakes up at a certain time. He has his coffee. He reads the Bible. He journals like that's his, he's got his routine. I'm more of a, like, I'm just praying all the time. Like I'm always talking to Jesus and I journal when I can journal. So personally, that's kind of how we, we differ there. Um, with our family, we just are kind of always working faith into what we're talking about. Um, our kids ask questions all the time. It's just like a really natural rhythm that we've worked into our family where we just talk to our kids about stuff. We homeschool, we take opportunities whenever we can to talk about Jesus. We, I don't know when we talked to our kids about baptism, but apparently we did because when we were in Charleston, South Carolina, one of my sons baptized the other one in a fountain. <laughs> we found out about it later. He was like, mom, I got baptized. I'm following Jesus now. And we're like, okay, well, people need to see you do that, but that's great. <laughs> but, but we do, we do have a few things that we do with our kids. Um, one of them is appreciation stories. So it's not a strictly spiritual faith-based thing, but it's something that we, we say it makes us return to joy every day, um, which is mm. one of our core values as yeah. a family is like, we're going to just keep returning to joy. So an appreciation story is where you just um, tell something, a memory that you really appreciate. It doesn't have to have happened that day. It could happen just something that you really enjoyed. And then you talk about what happened and then you talk about the way your body felt because when you talk about, well, my shoulders felt really relaxed or my heart was racing or I had butterflies in my stomach, it kind of makes you feel those things again. So we try to do that at the end of the day. So we end every day with joy and laughing and thinking about something that made us feel good. And some, sometimes the appreciation stories are not funny. They're just like, something sweet or something, maybe something sad happened, but then something good happened when the sad, that sad thing happened. But it's just a way of um, helping us focus on the things that are good. And then through those conversations, we often end up talking about Jesus and God and things that God has done for us or somebody else will be like, oh, that reminds me of when this happened. And it's basically a story time um, that happens. But that's something that that we try to work in, not every day, but we try to do it as often as we can with the kids, but the rhythms are just whatever the rhythm of that day is. We try to adapt and be flexible and just have a few certain things that we try to keep 
in our lives regularly. That's good. That's good. Thank you. Thank you for sharing that. And I, I'm also mm. super conscious that we've gone over the time that yes, we told and you your about. Children are outside somewhere totally. yeah. with your with your husband, not Kristen's a surprise. Husband and kids were kicked out of the RV <laughs> right now. So Kristen can talk to us and they're out in the dark in Florida. <laughs> I was thinking about that. Oh, oh. They're loving it. They're like, Mom, when's your next podcast? You should do that again. <laughs> okay. Okay, this is just a mom parent RV question. How much do they fight in a, such a small space? Not a lot. Really? No. Surprisingly, they get along really well. They do fight, but it's not. It's just like stupid stuff. It's nothing. Yeah. Not a big deal. We're all just like super laid back. So we're like, I don't know. It just doesn't happen a lot. I yell at them more than they yell at each other. (laughs) (laughs) That makes sense. So in light of the fact that your kids are probably waiting for you to be done. Your, your husband probably especially. Are you going with one more question? No, I know. Sorry, no. Chris. We can no. keep having... Oh, sorry. I, I just, I'm going to wrap us up. I'm going to wrap it up. I'm going to wrap it up. I, we just want to know... It's really okay. Where, where can we find you? And uh, how could... You know, our listeners, how could we support your work? Wait, you mean like geographically as stalkers no. to find her RV? <laughs> Just like, uh, where can we interact no, with her? No, you mean more that. like find her on social media? Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Make sure. <laughs> Good luck finding us in the RV. Um, I'm on Instagram. I, I My Instagram is at Kristen.Lavalley. I have a website that I sometimes update. I have like an email list and things. You can find all that on my Instagram. But that's really where I hang out is the IG. Nice. And how can we support you? Likes, follows, shares? Yeah, likes, follows. Buy my book. I'm writing another one about some of the things that we've talked about tonight. So wait for that. I've been working on it for a really long time, and I keep saying it's coming. And then I'm like, wait, i got to add one more chapter. So who knows when it's actually coming, but it's coming. (laughs) (laughs) All right. We'll we'll link all that then in the the show notes. And uh, it's been a pleasure. Is there anything else you want to say before you go? We really appreciate it. No, thanks for having me. This has been great. All right. Thank you so much. All right. Uncommon family, remember, you are loved. You are valued. And you belong. And thank you for being with us and Kristen today. Peace. (laughs) Bye, (laughs) y'all.